Welcome back to Real Talk Torah, courtesy of the database with Rabbi Yoshua Eisenberg. I'm Rabbi Yoshua Eisenberg, and you just entered the database. And for today's issue, I wanted to focus on Lagba Omer. At the moment of this recording, it is indeed Lagba Omer. And a question that I try to ask myself anytime we have a Yom Tov or anything that resembles a Yom Tov, even if it's a mini Yom Tov like Lagba Omer, the question of what is the Avoda of today? What are we trying to accomplish or celebrate today? What exactly is the Simcha? And that's that's going to be the key word because we find that's the word that appears in the Ramah, that there is some level of Simcha to Lagba Omer. And Lagba Omer is just one of those days whose origins are very obscure if you look at the most basic sources. And I want to try to figure out, based on all the different Minhagim that people have on Lagba Omer, a lot of different explanations, a lot of different um, sources, perhaps later sources, that are written on the topic of the things that we tend to find ourselves doing on Lag Bomer. So with all these things, you know, it's, it's you know, if, if you want to play with a bow and arrow on Lag Bomer, you want to have a bonfire, you know, all these things are fine, but, you know, as, as Yidin, as Yeri Shemayim, and as Ovde Hashem, we should try to figure out what the, what the impact of the day is supposed to be on all of us and how we should relate to it. Um, and we'll get to that after we thank our sponsors. Um, but also I'll mention that the tragic story that's still currently unfolding, we're still getting information on it about what, is, um, what has been taking place or what took place in Mayron tonight. Um, you know, there, there was, uh, I, I saw different versions of the report, so it's not, it's not always clear when things are still unfolding what exactly happened. But we have over 30 people who died by being crushed in Mayron. And I saw some versions of the story that there were bleachers that collapsed, or there were stands that collapsed, or was it just stam stampeding? Um, you know, I've I've been to Mayron for Lagba Omer, and I guess you know I should be extra thankful that I wasn't there at a time where people were getting injured, and that I was not myself injured there. It was very crowded when I was there, and I remember my body basically floating. Um, the only similar experience I've had to that was at the Leviah of, of Nassim Svi Finkel. Both of these experiences were during my Shana Aleph in Eretz Yisrael. And, you know, they, it was, you know, the, it's very overwhelming time in general, but obviously right now a very tragic time. And, you know, it's, it's you know, we should, we should all, you know, the, all say is that um, besides for the schus of this shir that should go to the, the sponsors, as we always have, um, but this should also be in schus for the refuah of those who are recovering, and I guess for the, the aliyah, for the neshamos, and for the rachamei shemayim, just for the neshamos of those who um, passed away tonight. Um, so we'll just keep them in mind. So in terms of our sponsors, on the other side of the spectrum, Baruch Hashem, all individuals who are who are healthy. Um, so we have Anonymous Lili Nishmaus, um, Shmuel Menachem and Ayyaleib, and Leah Bas Avraham, whose Nishmaus should also have an Aliyah. And we have the, um, the pleasure of thanking Yona and Chani Laster on their second time sponsorship. And anyone else who wants to sponsor can reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com. That's the data, then base B E I S at gmail.com to make your sponsorship today. So while we reflect somewhat on the tragedy that has taken place and, again, the news of which is still unfolding, and I really wanted to make this 
shear a more happy shear, namely because, again, that's the, the key word of is simcha, because the Ramah talks about it, the exact lotion is marben bokitzas simcha. And the, the question is, what exactly is the simcha of Lagbomer, at least the kitzas simcha that we, that we experience? And how is that supposed to to impact us? And now, we're in, in, regardless of which nihugim, which practices we we have taken upon ourselves on on Lag Omer, whatever it is, you know, whether it's giving a child an upsharing on Lag Omer, or again the bonfires, or taking a field day, whatever these things are, you know, you should always ask the question: Why am I doing what I'm doing? If you're going to Mayron and you're celebrating in Mayron. So, you know, if, you know, whether or not people are dying in a stampede, lo'alein or achman al-etzlan, and even if you're going there just, you know, because it's the thing to do, so really you should never just do anything because it's the thing to do. We should try to have a, you know, a fair understanding of what we're doing. Um, and the basic understanding of going, of going to Meirun is that there's some connection on Lagba Omer um, to Rosh Hashanah by Yochai, um, whether, you know, we have his Hilula, his yard site on, on Lagba Omer. There's discussion about the Zohar being revealed to the world, um, which is the source of Al-Kabbalah, and we'll come back to that as well on Lagba Omer. Um, so, you know, there, there's the, there are those connections, but then the question is, what does this do to us as Ovdei Hashem? That's really, that's really the key question that I want to focus on now. So, as I mentioned, the, the, the sources regarding Lagba Omer are just very obscure and... Uh, you know, just just naturally unclear. Um, so, for example, the place you would find Lagba Omer in the Shulchan Aruch. Um, so it's actually a little bit tricky to find because you don't have a special section in Shulchan Aruch where it's titled Hilchos Svirasa Omer. You don't have a Hilchos Shavuos either. If you if you're if you're looking at either a regular Mishnah Brura, or the, um, I'm looking also, I have here Mishnah Brewer, and I also have the Shulchan Malachim edition of the Torah of Shulchan Arach. Um, so these two, the, both of these versions, so the, you'll, you'll have to go to where it says Hilchus Pesach, and in Hilchus Pesach, you'll find at the very end of Hilchus Pesach, we have Shavuos, and in between Pesach and Shavuos, um, there's, um, there's a Sfiras Omer, which also contains Lagba Omer. But all of this is under the umbrella of Hilchos Pesach, which again might make it tricky to find. So, just you know, to the it, the first place we find the halachos regarding Sfiras Omer, we have um, so in the middle of the Hilchos Pesach and in Tuf Peites, which is four eighty nine. So there we just find the first mention of Sfiras Omer, which is talking about just counting on the second night of Pesach. Um, and from Sif Aleph all the way through Yud, we have all the classic halachos of how to count Sfiras Omer. But then the Shulchan Aruch by, by, by Tavtsadi for so that's Simen Tavtsadi four ninety. It already goes back to finishing off Pesach and all the halachos going back into Pesach. And it's not until Tavtsadi Gimel four ninety three where we find the rest of the Hilchos Sfiras Omer. Mainly, the ones focusing on uh, on Lagbomer. So there, the Shulchan Aruch writes in Tavtsadi Gimel Aleph. That's Simon Tavtsadi Gimel Sif Aleph. No Hagim Shaloli so you should be in Pesach Lateris Ad Lagbomer. It's Lagbomer where we don't we don't have weddings. The Pnei Shabbos is Man Meisu Talmidei Rabbi Akiva. The Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva died. 
And uh, the Shulchan Aruch goes on to say that you can certainly make Shidduchim and you can have Kiddushin, right? In the olden times, they would do Kiddushin and Nisuin together. They would have them, sorry, they they didn't have them together. They would have them separately. Nowadays, we have Kiddushin and Nisuin together. But they would have, you would be able to do a Kiddushin, theoretically, um, even during um, the first 33 days of the Omer. And that is because... The Shulchan Aruch says that we're afraid that Shidduchim can be broken. Someone else can get the. So, you know, someone else can um, um, can theoretically interfere with the Shidduch and intercept the Shidduch. So we we don't want that to happen. But from Lagvomernan says the Rama, Mihu Omer Sorry, everything is good. So we know about the. You know, we've heard plenty about the twenty-four thousand students of Rabbi Akiva, and we you know, and we've alluded to the question about. You know what's the simcha of of, of Lagba Omer? If you say, "Oh, yeah, well, the students of Rabbi Kiva stopped dying in Lagba Omer," that's because there were none left to die. So that's obviously a question. That's a this famous question that can use a little bit of our elaboration. Um, but just to continue, the Shulchan Aruch in Tav Tzadi Gimel Sif Beis. So the next Sif continues. So the next clause, Nagim Shlili Stopper Ad Lag Vomer, so we don't get haircuts into Lag Vomer, Shomrim Oz Pasku Milamos, that's when they stop dying. Vainli Stopper Ad Yom Lamadal Boker. So the Shulchan Aruch famously um, said that you, you shouldn't actually get the haircut until the 34th day of the Omer, when another Ramah argues, which is the basis for Minagashkanaz. So Shulchan Aruch says that if Lag Vomer falls out on Arab Shabbos, which is like um, this year, because tomorrow the morning will be Friday, at least the moment of this recording, it's Thursday night, Lag Wilmer, because of Kavod Shabbos, so then you can get your haircut, even according to Svartim, you can get your haircut on Friday, um, which is, um, again, uh, Lag Wilmer when it falls out on Friday. Medinos Elu, says the Ramah, this is all the Ramah now, Medinos Elu, we do get haircuts. Here's where the Ramah says it. We increase a little bit the Simcha. Based on the Maharil, fine. And says the Ramah, we don't get the haircut until it's Lag Wilmer itself, meaning the daytime. It's also based on the Maharil. But if, if uh, the 33rd day of the Omer is going to fall out on Sunday, so also based on the Ma'aril, that you could even get the haircut on Friday if Friday is going to be only the 31st day of the Omer. Okay, so, or maybe that's the 32nd, right? Because Sunday would be Lag. So then, then um, so the, oh yeah. So yeah, it would, it would be the 30, 30, 31st day of the Omer. Okay. Um and this is Mishu Malbrisa Malbino Mutsla Stopper Bisrila Khwadamila. And if you ever have a brismila or something like that for for your child, so their mother says that you can get a um, a haircut even for that. But the thing about the the idea that there's this kitsas simcha, so what's strange is that it's not clear why that is. And it sounds like the the Kitsas Simcha that we're talking about is not necessarily because they stopped dying. Um, meaning there are um, that from the Shulchan Aruch, that's what you get. But not but the Shulchan Aruch itself, the Rabbi Yosef Kairo, the Mechaber, does not say anything about Simcha. He just says you can start getting haircuts, i.e. you don't have to keep mourning at that time. Um, so that, that, that would explain that. It doesn't explain why you should increase a little bit of Simcha. 
right? But all of the Nosei Kalim, virtually all of the Nosei Kalim on the Shulchan Aruch here, um, and, you know, even the less famous of the, the Nosei Kalim, you find they all bring the story of this Gadol Echad, this great Gadol, or this in, this individual who was a Talmud Chacham, an Adam Gadol, some Tzaddik, who would say Nachem, the Tzfil of Nachem, which we say on Tishabav in our Mincha, in our Shemun Esrei, in the paragraph of Eli Yerushalayim, we're asking Hashem to comfort Yerushalayim and to rebuild it. So um, there was one individual who would say this every day of Sviras Omer, and the problem, and he was and he was reprimanded for saying it on Lagbomer. In fact, he was punished, and um, I, I think. The, there, there are sources some that say, and again, the, these are later sources. None of the, none, none of the explanations are given here on the page of the Shulchan Aruch, and where you would expect normally, you know, the Mishnah Brura to elaborate. The Mishnah Brura also is pretty silent. He doesn't elaborate. He does not explain why there is uh, simcha. He just he, he just completely silent on the matter. So. But then no, no one else gives the, any further background to the story. But I think the, the, the nature of the onus was that this person's son passed away. Um, who The person who was saying Nachem on, on Lagbomer. Meaning because he was saying it's fila, which is obviously an important fila. And it speaks to you know everything we should be mourning about during Sefirah Omer, Right, the Balam Or, um, parenthetically, but also not parenthetically, because it's actually very important. Balam Or says that the reason why we don't say Shechionu on the mitzvah of Zeres Omer is because we're, when we count the Omer, what we should be really counting is for the time that the carbon Omer was offered in the Beis HaMikdash, which in our time has, is not the case because at the moment of this recording and up until, you know, my, at least my whole lifetime and even before my lifetime until the moment of this recording, we don't have a Beis HaMikdash. The carbon Omer was not brought. So Shechionu is something that we say that when we're happy, instead we say that we want to have the restoration um, of the Beis HaMikdash and the Avodah that we do in it. Right? So that's obviously a sad thing. And so we can understand why it's appropriate to say Nachem throughout Sefiras Omer. But of course, we don't. Um, and, um, um, we, not only do we not do it, but it's apparently a very bad thing to do it on Lag Omer itself. Because apparently there's this Simcha that has to take place. But anyway, the Magen Avram brings um, this story. The um, I think the Gura brings it. I actually don't see that in the Gura. I see something else in the Gura. The Gura says that the the Mesei Midbar stops dying. Um, that's that I mean, based on the Gemara in Tainus. That's what the Bir Hagra brings. But the other Nosei Kelim they bring it down. The Bir Hetev brings it down. The Chak Yaakov brings it down, among others. So we we, we find this Indian of this Ktsas Simcha. So, some have explained the connection, at least in terms of Rabbi Akiva. So, it's, you know, the, the Simcha of Lag Bomer is obviously not on just the mere stoppage of individuals dying, um, but, right, because, you know, just, you know, well, the Mashal, you know, the tragedy that just happened tonight, we wouldn't say, okay, Baruch Hashem, people are no longer dying. Yeah, the, we are still very moved and alarmed by the deaths that took place. And, you know, the, the fact that it happened is, is a tragedy in its own right. The Simcha of Lagba Omer, though, at this particular point, at least if we're focusing on the, uh, the standpoint of Rabbi Akiva, is the idea that Rabbi Akiva continued afterwards, right? That he was able to pick himself up even despite the tragedy and to say, okay, you know what? I, have, I, I still have a mission. I still have what to do. And we know that um, it was that time that all of the 
um, main tanoim of the Mishnah, which was you know just a few students, a few a few Talmidim, which you might say otherwise would pale in comparison to the twenty four thousand students that that lived um, and then died before them. Um, nonetheless, these um, these became the main Talmidim, the main uh, tanoim of the Mishnah and the Tosefta and the the Sifrei and the Sifra. All the main Talmidim were the, these were the these few Talmidim were the Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva. And the fact that he was able to pick up and start again with these Talmidim and to conserve Teresh Peh. Rabbi Akiva is the pillar of Teresh Peh. We don't have anything without Rabbi Akiva. So that, that, that's something to have, uh, to have at least a Katsas Simcha about, despite the fact that there was an overwhelming tragedy surrounding. Now, the other sources that are out there, which um, obviously connect, which we mentioned earlier, um, they connect the Simcha of Lagwa Omer to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Now, this, it sounds like, based on the fact that we only find this in later sources, and um, I found a really nice article on Chabad.org, which you can look up. I think uh, some, it's titled something to the effect of, Why Do We Light Bonfires on Lagba Omer? Because um, I was, you know, I, I was researching that question myself, because I try to figure out why we, why, you know, why we do things the way we do, when we do it, um, on any holiday, whatever it is. So it has a nice article, and there are a, lot, a bunch of different explanations about the bonfire. All of them are in connection to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. And obviously, when we think of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, we think of the Zohar. We are thinking of things that are more connected to the Kabbalistic area of Torah, the Sodos, the Torah's Nistar. And in that vein, it's uh, you know it's it's not surprising that the sourcing is more dubious. It's it's more obscure. It's less clear because that's you know the nature of Torah Nistar, the nature of the secrets of Kabbalah is we just don't have everything in front of us, and even though all the Neosikalim here can point to a fact that there was some story about a person saying Nachem and then getting punished, so my understanding was that this also goes back to that that same issue of Rabbi Shem Bar Yochai, as I found some sources that said that. The, the individual who died for saying Nachem on Magba Omer was actually a student of the Arizal, and he was saying it at the kever of Rav Shimon Bar Yochai, Rav Shimon Bar Yochai, the Rashbi. And apparently the problem was he was disgracing Rav Shimon Bar Yochai's special day, that apparently, even despite the genuine pain we should feel about the lack of a Beis Migdash, and it's obviously an appropriate feeling to have, apparently this was considered... A sliding of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, which speaks seems to speak something to not just you know the origin of the simcha on Lag Bomer, but also to the simcha that we're apparently supposed to feel in connection to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Now, this is obviously more challenging since most of us are not necessarily Kabbalists. Most of us are not necessarily learning the Zohar. And you know, and there, there, you know, there are a lot of things that we don't know about Kabbalah. So if we if we are insistent on going to the kever, we're insistent on lighting a bonfire and doing all the different nihugim of Lagba Omer. And if you know, if you're going to be the person that's going to gladly take the field day, um, you know, many yeshivos even have you know the minog of having a field day. You know, it's one thing for elementary school um, to have a field day, right? The school I work in will be having a field day tomorrow, um, but. You know, it's it's one thing to have that. It's 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 another thing for yeshi- many yeshivas to have a field day on Lag Bomer, try to understand what exactly it's about. Some say it's in connection to the um, the, the whole well, one of them in Hagim about the bows and arrows. So one of them also connects to Rishon Bar Yochai. That um, it's a, it's a symbol of the fact 
that the rainbow was not seen. We know the rainbow is a bad omen and a sign that Hashem wants to destroy the world, and no such rainbow was ever seen during the lifetime of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Um, another explanation is given very similar to the dreidel story on Hanukkah, that during the times of the Roman persecutions and executions and and all these different uh, uh, um, oppressions that they were doing against Kalal Yisrael. So when they wanted to teach Torah and learn Torah, they would take their bows and arrows into the forest so people would think they were sporting. And of course, they were really learning Torah. And if they would be caught, they would take out their bows and arrows. So this might be some source for the field day, but you know, it doesn't explain our modern um, you know, observance of such a thing. Um, because when we take our field days, we're not learning Torah at that moment where, you know, you might have a lighter learning schedule and you might learn a little bit, but the field day, obviously the moment that you're doing that is not a moment that you are learning Torah. So, you know, why, why should that be? So why, why, why have a field day? And if, you know, if the whole point of the bonfire is to connect to the Torah, the fire of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, a lot of different explanations in connection to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and the Zohar, the radiance of the light that emerges from Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. But again, considering what little connection most of us might actually feel on a daily basis to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, is Lag Bomer just a time to celebrate because we like celebrating things, because bonfires happen to be fun, going to Meron happens to be fun, and doing, you know, and celebrating happens to be fun. Like, do we, maybe that's how a lot of us might feel. That, you know, I don't need an explanation um, you know, I don't need a, a justification to celebrate. I just want to celebrate. So I don't think that's really pure. You know, we should try to find a reason. If we're if we are celebrating something, it should be for a reason, right? There should be, um, you know, because we, we don't just celebrate nothing. You know, you could say, "Ah, oh, we're happy to be alive." Okay, but um, yeah, and I don't I don't have to tell you because that's not what the Simcha Vlog Omer is about. So we should try to figure out what the Simcha Vlog Omer is about. So there are two things that I think. I can personally take away in terms of my appreciation of what Lagba Omer's impact is. And hopefully it's something that you can share in as well. And the two things I want to focus on are really Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. And again, their legacy. So in terms of Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, something that I've noted in the past is that both of them represent a certain kind of pillar of Torah. Um, and we know that the whole period of Svirasa Omer is a period of Kabbalah Satora. It's not just on Shavuos. And I think this is one of the reasons why we don't, you know, we, um, one of the famous um, um, questions about Shavuos and one of the famous suggestions about Shavuos is why we don't find anywhere in the Torah, for example, that Shavuos is called the day of Matan Torah. In our liturgy, in our davening, we say Zman Matan Torah Senu. But it's because the entire period is really a, a period of Kabbalah Satora. It's not just one day on the calendar. And maybe you could say every day is a day of Kabbalah Satora. But during Sphiris Omer, you know, we've been talking in, in our Sphiris series about the Kenyane Torah, that there are ways to acquire the Torah. And we and there's an acquisition for each day. There's a tool of acquisition for each day. And that is because each day is a day in which it's a day in the process of accepting the Torah. So while we are thinking about Kabbalah Satora, there are other forms of Torah. We know in the past we've spoken about the concept of Pardes, Pshat, uh, Remez, Drash, and Sod. There are different layers of expounding and learning and understanding the Torah. And we could think of Pardes as like a prism. There are many dimensions through which to see the Torah. And we, and, and it, you know, we would, if, if we're thinking about the pillars of Rabbi Akiva and his Talmud, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, 
we have to acknowledge the two important layers of pardes, the dimensions of pardes that they have contributed. So when it comes to Rabbi Akiva, as we mentioned, Rabbi Akiva is the pillar of Torah Shabbal Peh. Everything we know about, and everything we know in Halacha, obviously has trickled down from the Torah Shabbal Peh. The Mesorah, the Poskim, everything that we have comes from the Torah Shabbal Peh. You know, you can, any any academic, any historian, any scholar can get a translation of the Chumash and read the Bible, and you know, and you have Tzedukim, right, and Karaites still who you know they're they're even Karaites who exist today. And if you think that Torah Shabbal Peh is not under attack even in our days, so that's that's a um, that, you know that you're then you're just you know you're just unaware, you're just ignorant. Torah Shabbal Peh, which is the basis for our Masorah, it's the basis for the conservation of the Torah itself, the Ratzon Hashem, as communicated by the Torah, really, because the Torah actually itself warns us about protecting the words of Chazal. And, you know, in the beginning of Pirkei Avos, we say, Asus Yag Torah. Everything we have in Torah comes from Torah Shabbal Peh. And the conservation of Torah is something that we cannot take for granted. It's something that we cannot miss on Lagba Omer. The fact that we have our Torah Shabbal Peh, the fact that we have our Masorah, you know, the Mishnah, the Tosefta, the, the Gemara, it, it, all, it all is drawn back to Rabbi Akiva. The other layer, which maybe is less familiar to us, but you know what, it has, an, it has almost an equally important impact Maybe, maybe, maybe I don't know if I would say almost equally important. Maybe, yes, equally important, but maybe not as relevant every single day, but we have to know that it's there. And that is the Kabbalistic aspect of Torah. Right? The Torah Snistar, the Sod, that comes from Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, the Zohar. Now, again, um, we've said this multiple times on this, uh, on this podcast, in, in these shirim. I don't have a background in Kabbalah, and the chances are, um, you know, among all my listeners... Um, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe one or two will have a, a, um, a background in Kabbalah. And maybe our goal is not, and maybe the goal for now is not to, you know, to immerse ourselves in Kabbalah. And that's okay. But what Kabbalah shows us, if nothing else, is that the Torah is well beyond our grasp. There are parts of Torah that we can understand, but there's the layers of Sod, which tells us that there's so much more beneath the surface, that there are things that don't necessarily speak to our empirical evidence and our tangential, our feelings, um, not tangential, um, our tangible um, ability to grasp and sense things. There are things that are are metaphysical about the Torah, the fifth sense, the sense that we don't necessarily feel ourselves, but we have to know it's there, the sense which the likes of the Vilna Gon and many of the Hasidish masters on the other side, and that they they attained the mastery in, the the you know even even every now and then you have a posik nowadays who is able to see into the neshama of a person, and a lot of this comes from the Torah's nister which, although we may not have a grasp on it, but it's there. And there are many minhagim, and maybe segulos, and halachos even, that are also trickling down from that source, that pipeline of Torah Snister, which, again, although we, under, although we may not understand it, the point is that just as much as we revere the words of the postkin, we do not make light of a segula, we do not make light of a minhag, 
even if we don't understand it, even if, even if we don't understand how that, that, that segula or minhag should impact us in this world, whether it's ayin hara or whatever, all the different uh, metaphysical forces that exist in the world, the Taras Nister just reminds us that they're there. And, and, you, know, and you, you, shouldn't, you, should, you shouldn't be a, a cynic about these things, but to realize that they're there, and it's because of our limitations, it's because of our mortality and our inability to grasp these things, that, that there's this aspect of Torah that, that exists, and, you know, and it's, the lacking is in us. But if you think that the Torah's Nistar in Kabbalah is not part and parcel with the, the Torah that we accept on, on Kabbalah Satorah, on Matan Torah, so it just means that we've been sleeping during the Kriya Satorah um, and Haftarah on Shavuos itself. Or on Shavuos itself, we literally read Maisa Merkava from Yechezkel and other versions of the same account from Chavakuk. And it's like, you know, like, well, why? Because Tershavich Sav is, is not by itself full. There are other layers. And even the layers that we can get, we're only scratching the surface because there's so many different sodos underlying the Torah that we have in front of us. And we have to realize that. So the conservation of Torah Shabbal Peh and the illumination of Torah Snister speaks to the fact that we need our Rebbeim, we need our Masora, we need our Kabbalos, right? And not, not just the mysticism, I'm not talking about the mysticism, but the idea that there are things that we have in Mipiyashmua from tradition, whether we understand them or not. And that conservation is something that we have to think about on Lagba Omer and something to celebrate, quite frankly. And if you're taking a field day, so we can consider the possibility that a field day on Lagba Omer can be used um, in, in the spirit of conserving the Torah, right? We have to guard our Siddharim. We have to try always to be Koveya Siddharim, to be Koveya Eaton the Torah. But there are times where we need downtime. And even, you know, when they were able to teach Torah, they, were, they taught Torah. And then when they couldn't teach Torah because they were going to be caught, they took out their bows and arrows. And that was Kaviachal, the downtime, where they were not necessarily learning or teaching the Torah, but they were conserving the Torah, giving themselves the time that they needed until they can learn Torah again. And if we're taking a field in Lagwomer, maybe that's the spirit we can do it in. That we have some downtime to relax, but that's only so that we can come back with a fuller energy, right? You know, just like a Bein Azmanim. You come back with a fuller energy energy so that you can continue to learn more Torah with a Hislavas and with a Koach and with a Chizok. And I think that can be the legacy of Lag Bomer for us and the impact of Lag Bomer for us. And however we celebrate Lag Bomer, I think these are the things that should be on our mind. And in our process of the larger Kabbalah Satora, this appreciation of the different layers of Pardes, the different layers of Tarshavich Sav, Tarshavich Pep, Pshat, Drash, Ramesh, Sod, these are all things that should be appreciated, celebrated, and be the source of our inspiration until the times that the entire Torah could be fully revealed to us, when, as, as well as the revelation of the Shechina itself with the Gulabim Herbimenu. Anyway, that's all the time we have left for this Real Talk Torah. So I wish you all a Lag Sameach and a wonderful Shabbos. Keep it real, keep talking, and most importantly, keep the Torah, whether Torah Shabbat Sav, Torah Shabbat Peh, whatever you can of Torah Snister. And just, again, the Torah in general, conserving and observing, appreciating, celebrating, and fulfilling.